0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. The following podcast is taken from the annual missions conference. This is the second evening session of Thursday, the twenty-eighth of May, two thousand and nine. And here is Brother Richard Rolls. Right, thank you, Pastor. Again, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, and good to see each one of you. And I have thoroughly enjoyed our missionaries tonight. I personally feel like if we just uh, said amen, and went home, we could go away saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I so, so enjoyed that testimony, both of you, amen. And uh you be faithful, just keep, I know I pastored for a number of years. Pa- I pioneered two churches, and I know what it is to work and try to, you know, do the work that uh, is involved in pastoring. And I've said many times the hardest thing I ever did in my life was trying to, trying to pastor a church and work. I remember, I won't go into a lot of detail, but the first church, I hadn't been there very long, but I was working a full-time job trying to study, trying to visit. And uh, I tell you, I knelt down to pray one Sunday morning for the right before I brought the message, and I was so tired physically, I realized I was falling over in the floor asleep. And... Uh, so I'm, I've been where you are. My heart goes out for you. But I tell you what, I thoroughly appreciate your burden, and uh, God has a reason for that. I, I, we don't know all of the reasons, but I know the Bible says that the trying of your faith is much more precious than the gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire. And uh, I, I look back over in the Old Testament. When the Lord was feeding the children of Israel with manna, and not with meat, uh, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses eight, and also chapter sixteen, the Lord said, "I fed you with meat. Uh, pardon me, fed you with manna and not with meat, uh, that I might humble thee, that I might do thee good in thy latter end." And for the younger pastor in the book of First Peter, chapter five, uh, he says. To, to the younger preachers, he said, "But after that, you've suffered a while; he'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And we want the perfecting, the completing of the Lord's. But time and again, we, I don't know, we with the, uh, you know, with the suffering for a while. But I want you to know, God knows exactly where you're at, He's got a He's got a purpose and a will for it. And uh, you uh, let Him do the work." He promises that if we'll humble ourselves, that He will exalt us in due season. And uh, God's blessing is tremendous, tremendous. I just so enjoyed your testimony also, sister. God bless you. i tell you, that thrilled my soul. I'm just warming up. Amen. Isn't that good? I'll tell you, I feel sorry for people running up and down the roads. And man, the best they know are drugs and sin and... And look at us and feel sorry for us and they don't have a they don't have a clue in the world what we've got going on do they? I mean, how in the world can anybody enjoy going and you know, just reaching kids, you know? Uh where's there any joy in that? But we know, don't we? Amen. I uh I think of a fellow I think has maybe shared his testimony here, a man named Ernie Harmon. And uh Ernie was one of those missionaries, went to Mexico years ago and absolutely could not seem to find his niche. I mean, he tried a linguistics, linguistics uh, kind of a boot camp, helping folks learn foreign language, helping adapt to strange cultures. Uh, he tried church planning. He tried this. You know, he just he just couldn't find his niche. But he refused to give up. He knew God had called him. And so he ended up in Juarez, Mexico, right across the border from El Paso, Texas, uh, down the southern part of the United States and, uh, and started a, another small church. And he was so close to the city dump. I'm talking about the Mexican dump that boy, you could tell. I mean, you could tell when the wind was in the wrong direction. And, uh, he noticed children going back and forth foraging for food in the dump and his heart was moved with compassion toward them and he started gathering food wherever he could get it and taking that and feeding those children found a place where he could get food the food bank in the United States and then also found that there was a place in Mexico that uh, he could get food and he told those children he said uh, he said I'll help you and so, man, word passed, hey, we got a gringo that will feed us, you know. And next thing you know, he had so many children, he don't know what to do with them. And you're talking about being unruly. Man, I'm telling you. But he said, now look. He said, we got to have a rule. He said, we got to have a rule or two. And one of them, the first one is, you're going to have to behave, settle down, be quiet, and let me tell you a story before we eat. Well, you know, you've got to make all of them. You make the guy beside of you be quiet, you know. And so he started telling those children Bible stories, telling them about Jesus and his undying love for them. And some of those children had never known what it was to have a mom or a dad to love them. That's the reason they are going to the dump foraging for food. And I'll tell you, they began responding and children getting saved. Next thing you know, parents were showing up parents that did you know where some of those children or a number of those children did have parents and they wanted to know what have you done to our kids what's happened to them what have you done to them and brother Harmon said what do you mean what have we done to them well they just they're just different he said what way are they different well they're just they're like they're just preaching to us and Telling us the Catholic Church won't get us to heaven, and we're going to hell if we don't get saved. And and what are you doing to them? And Brother Arnie said he said, well, we're just telling them some stories. He said, they said, what kind of stories? Said, well, you sit down, I'll tell you the story. And you know what happened? Romans one sixteen. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also the Greek and I want you to know a number of those adult parents started coming under conviction getting saved they outgrew that first building started up another children's center doing the same thing then another and another and uh, some few years now have passed I don't know maybe 8 or 10 years uh, total but uh, uh, Brother Paul Ray, a mutual friend of Brother Ernie and myself, is, had, I was going down to preach a mission conference for him, and, and I asked him about Ernie. And he said, Brother Rawls, let me tell you about that guy. And when he finished with the story, I said, Brother Paul, I want to come down a day early for your meeting, and I want us to go down and see Brother Ernie's work. And we he had moved and spread all the way from what is some few hundred miles down to Del Rio, Texas, right across the border to C- Ciudad Acuna, and uh, had literally hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of children is ministered to. And uh, went over to see his work and saw something of how it was operating, and uh, I was thrilled and blessed, and Lord was raising up workers for him. His primary worker that was working with him in that ministry and still with him, as far as I know, was a lady who had been a like a guerrilla fighter. And they're not advertising this. You might be hearing some of it. But I'm telling you, Mexico is like a a boiling pot ready to boil over and explode. And she'd been one of these with gun belts and carrying like an AK-47 or semi-automatic, you know, weapon. And God saved her. And she was now his right-hand person in that ministry, helping to administrate and, and keep it all going. And and I said to Brother Harmon, I said, Brother, I know you have a number of these children centers and all, and there are other missionaries picking up on this and national preachers picking up on it. But I said, just the ones that you are ministering to personally. How many children? How many children do you feel like that you're you're ministering to? And uh Kinda of dropped his head down thinking, pondering. Finally looked over at this lady, and he said to her, called her name, I forget her name now, but said uh, he said, "Cuántos niños más o menos uh ayus Said, how many of these children are we ministering to personally? And she studied for a moment, she said, Mil quinientos probablemente. 1,500 probably. Amen. And uh, that's not by any means. Please, that's not minimizing what you're doing. They start right where you're at. But to encourage you, listen, God's grace is sufficient. In years past, I saw churches in the United States and maybe running 400, 300, 200 people, whatever in attendance, and I spoke in a, I really, I sometimes speak in a little bit of a disparaging manner. Well, half of those are bus kids. have hauled in, you know. I didn't know any better. I'm going to tell you, God's opened my eyes. If I was pastoring again, I'm going to tell you, by the grace of God, I'd be doing everything in my power to reach out to children because I'm finding in church after church after church that I'm going to in this ministry right here God is using the children to reach the moms and the dads. And God gave me a message on the value and importance God places upon children. And I preached that message at different times. One of the churches I preached it in, in, and let's see, Tabernacle Baptist Church in Kingsport, Tennessee, Brother Cecil Sturgill is a pastor. After I preached that message on a Sunday night four. I'm telling you, four full-time Christian workers came up to me and told me said, "Brother Rawls, I so appreciate that we got saved and called into the Lord's work, starting with a bus ministry. Amen. I got a letter. I got a letter just uh, not but just uh, I don't know, three or four months back, something like that, from a lady. She is now a, a schoolteacher in a public school gone to college and got her degree and everything and and uh, her name is Sheila Perry used to be Sheila Kendrick and she said brother Rawls I want you to know she said our son is working in full time ministry and our daughter is doing so and so in ministry and she said uh, uh, I'm teaching full time said I'm teaching Sunday school at our church and my husband's involved and he's one of the deacons and so on and uh, she said I just want to thank you again for the investment you made in my life. You know where we found Sheila Kendrick? She's just a little ragamuffin bus kid playing in the dirt, nasty, filthy. Sunday after Sunday. We'd pick her up, take her to church. The Holy Spirit of God looked past these other things. Brought her to Jesus. She didn't come to church dirty. She's always clean and nice and everything. But I'm going to tell you what, God's still in the soul-saving business. Amen. And uh listen, if, if you're not involved, oh, my soul, get involved. Get involved. I want to talk to you tonight on missions, the delight of God. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Philippians chapter 4. And you pray for me. I've never preached this message before. In fact, I'm still, uh, you preachers understand, I got a I got a yard and a half, maybe three or four yards of notes. And I don't know that I even got them all organized, amen. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna try it out on you, amen. <laughs> but uh in the book of Philippians, chapter four, verses ten through twenty-three. And I preached this, uh, message here. I'm not going to preach the same message that I preach here f- uh, from this passage, but I want to call your attention to one verse. Uh, Paul, the apostle, is thanking the church at, at Philippi for their ongoing missionary support of his ministry. And, uh, and so, uh, they're contributing to him. In fact, they were the first church that started contributing to him in his, uh, in his missionary apostolic ministry, department ministry. And uh, he writes back to them, and if you would, please, let's stand. I want to read verses 10 through 23. And then I want to bring you some thoughts on missions delighting the heart of God. The word delight means to please highly, taking great pleasure in something or someone. Missions pleases God highly actually brings pleasure to Him as we're involved in missions, rejoices His heart. He takes pleasure in what we're doing, and I want us to see that. Could you imagine God being pleased, just, I mean, something we're doing that God's looking at, and God says, that just blesses my heart. Amen. Uh, You pray the Lord will help me. I I just pray that I can share what's on my heart with you tonight. Paul said, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, notwithstanding you well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the, of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me, or shared, the word communicated means shared with him, as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. They were the first church to pick him up. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Verse 17, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now look at verse 18 in particular. Paul said, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable. And then notice the term, well Pleasing to God. Their missionary offering was abounding fruit to their account. But he said uh, it's an odor of a sweet smell, it's a sacrifice, but a sacrifice acceptable, and your missionary giving is well pleasing to God. It's pleasing God highly, pleasing God greatly. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be for forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus, the brethren which are with me, greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd take the message, use it. Lord, help me to be brief, but Lord, thorough. And I ask you, God, that you'd help us tonight. We might, Father, catch a vision of the very fact, Lord, that our missions endeavor. Lord, is your delight that your heart is being blessed, you're being pleased. Uh, Lord, you're deriving great pleasure from this. And I I pray, God, you make the message live. Make it live, God, in our hearts tonight. And help us to see this blessing. In Jesus' name, for a sake we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. I want to say again, the word delight means to please highly. It speaks of taking great pleasure in something or someone. And our missionary work, our missionary giving, delights the heart of God. God is pleased with what we're doing in fact individual acts of our giving God's he's uh, he's so attentive to what we're doing he notes and records and rewards even the giving of cups of water uh, whether you're giving it to someone because it belonged to Christ or in the name of a disciple only and you're giving that to a child and so in view of that I want to say that the Lord takes note of every single offering that we give and uh, and God delights in this. You see God has emotions. You ever thought about that? Uh the Bible tells us that he's merciful. That's a fi- that's a feeling that he has, it compels him to do this. He's compassionate. He's long-suffering. He's touched in his heart with the feelings of our infirmities when we're sick, when we have difficulties, uh uh he uh is even made sick at his stomach. Uh, because of the lukewarm church that we read about in the book of Revelation chapter 3. He's a God of love, and He's also capable of hate. We think of Jesus. Jesus wept. That's definitely an emotion, an expressed emotion. Wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Wept over Jerusalem and their lost condition. Wept in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, I've been told by people studying medicine that Jesus actually died of a broken heart. Now, I know that he dismissed his spirit, but when the soldier pierced his side, the Bible says forthwith came out blood and water. And the medical folk tell us that this is a positive indication that his heart actually, actually bursted. It's what, I've, what I'm told by people that's, that studied a lot more than I have. But uh, what's near the heart of God? I preached last night and I said, Missions is the heartbeat of God. When Jesus was on this earth, again, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Missions is the nearest thing to the heart of God. That's the purpose for Jesus' coming. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Brother, God wouldn't do that if His heart wasn't in it. Amen? And uh, then when Jesus here called James and John, Peter, and those from those fishermen... He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'll make you popular, I'll make you powerful, I'll make you rich, I'll make you famous. But he gave them something that was infinitely greater than all of those when he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, on that note tonight, could I encourage you, and especially the young people, to be praying? If you want fulfillment, joy, peace, blessing in your life, You need to pray seriously about not just being a Christian and, uh, you know, staying out of the world. But that's good to pray about that and have that as your goal. But I, I seriously encourage you, listen, young people, I seriously encourage you to pray about giving your life to the Lord to work in some form of service for Him. The Lord is seeking laborers. He's seeking laborers. And I would say to you young ladies over here, Pray seriously about letting the Lord use you as missionaries. You ladies back here, young fellows, all of you. I mean, even retire, people at retirement age, I've seen God use people in retirement years. And, uh, you know, if you're not used uh, in another location, bloom where you're planted right here. Do your best. Serve the Lord. If you'll honor God, God will honor you. Amen. And you'll never find greater fulfillment in life than when you are serving the Lord and you're seeing your service blessed. There was a lady came to a pastor one time in the States and said, Pastor, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. Said, I've just got so much on me, things worrying me to death. And she started relating a few of them and the pastor said, Hey, said, I believe I can help you if you'll let me. And, uh, he said, tell you what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take a bouquet of roses, go to the hospital starting tomorrow, and every patient that doesn't have a visitor, give them a rose, give them a flower. And he said the next day, he said, I want you to bake a cake and take it to a blind friend and put on a card, write on the card, I love you. And then the next day, he said, I want you to go and see someone that is sick in their home and just tell them I'm here to be a blessing to you and take them a little bouquet of flowers. And keep this up indefinitely. She said, That's it for a nervous breakdown? He said, That's it. He said, try it. She said, Well, okay, you're my pastor. And she started doing it. And he saw her sometime later, not a long time later, but he said, How's that nervous breakdown coming along? He smiled. She said, Pastor, I've had I've been so busy I had to put that off. <laughs> you know what the Lord you know what that dear pastor was telling that lady? Get outside of yourself. Get outside of the little world that you're living in. Don't live for yourself. Live for others. And, folk, if we'll get hold of that, I'm telling you, God will honor that. God will bless that. The happiest people in the world are people that I know of that are sold out. Some of those people don't have the amenities and the comforts that we think are so very important to have in life. Amen. I think of two missionary ladies on the mission field, Mary Laszlo and her sister. And uh, no running water unless they run to get it. Amen. Uh, No inside bathrooms and plumbing and, you know, all of these things. But I'm going to tell you, God has blessed those women, especially Mary. She started in the beginning down there. Started with just some heathen, I mean, uncivilized people. But God's blessed that woman because her heart's perfect toward Him. She honored him. He honored her. And they now have a 1,000-seat auditorium in the place where she's working because their ministry has spread out. And they've had to bring men in to baptize the converts as they're getting saved. But that ministry has spread out. And then uh, they have people that come in at at certain periods of time for teaching. And they bring other people in, missionaries, preachers, teachers, you know. And in addition and they have to have a thousand-seat auditorium to seat all the people that comes in, and sometimes that one is not big enough. Hmm? When her sister, when her sister came down to work with her, she didn't come immediately, but she saw the joy and the blessing and the peace and the fulfillment that Mary was enjoying the countenance, the radiation on her face when she'd come in from time to time to visit some of her churches and on furlough and then go right back, amen. Years she's been doing this. Her sister decided that she'd go down and finally she got right with the Lord, amen, to go down and help her. And she told her sister, she said, now, I said, you need to eat what these folk are eating in order to be accepted. And one of the first things that they came with was one of these bugs just about that long. I mean, I, that thing. Uh, and it, it was dead, of course, and been roasted. And and uh, she said, Donna, eat it. Donna looked at it and said, I can't. She said, eat it. The people, she told her in, in English, all, eat it. It's going to help you for the people to accept you. And the sister said, I, I can't. Finally, Mary said, look, I'll eat one. I'll eat it first. And she took one bite of that buck and she said, that thing was so hot, it set me on fire. She said, oh, no, no, not don't, don't, don't eat it, don't eat it. How in the world can anybody be happy in that kind of a situation? Why would she keep going back? Because she's where God wants her to be they go down a river it takes five gallon of gasoline to run the boat down the river where they pick up supplies and uh, that's going with the current she had some of these preacher boys that God's raised up and now they're baptizing and they're, they're expanding the ministry and And she told them, she said, now look, on the way back, we've got to have seven gallons of gasoline, okay? And they're going back up the river. Sun got dark. The boat quits. She said, fellas, put some more gasoline in the engine. They said, Mama, there ain't no more gasoline. She said, what do you mean there's no more gasoline? They said, it took five gallons to go down there. We figured five gallons would get us back. She said, you don't understand. You're going against the current. And she overheard one of them say, boy, Mama's going to really be mad about this. She said, now what are we going to do? they said mama you always taught us to pray time like this we're going to pray and she said those young men got on their knees in that boat and prayed god we don't have any solution for this whatsoever we're asking you to help us and and lord you own the cattle on a thousand hills this is a simple problem and I don't know all of the exact words, but she said after they finished praying, they hit the starter on the boat, it cranked up, and they ran two more hours. My God is not dead. You probably figured out this is not the message I was going to preach. Amen. God delights in missions and the souls of men being saved. The Lord's pleased with our godly walk. I, uh, looking in the scriptures, a man named Enoch walked with God. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, the Bible said he had this testimony that he pleased God. God watching Enoch, he's pleased. God's being pleasured. God's heart is rejoicing. God's feeling an emotion. And he's happy with what Enoch is doing. And as Enoch is walking with him, God's just pleased. I heard a preacher preaching one day said, You know, said, You know, the Bible teaches that, that Enoch did not die, for the Lord took him. Just translating it. Said Enoch and God walking along one evening and said, uh, Getting pretty far from home. Enoch said, Lord, said I probably need to go on back home. And Lord said, Enoch, you're closer to my house than we are to yours. You just come on home with me. Larry, I read where people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, along with Enoch, walked with God. And I said, God, I'm jealous. If you let them walk with you, I want to walk with you too. I read in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, and verse 5, of some people in the church at Thessalonica, and they walk with God. Paul said, said for you know our entrance in among you and what manner of men we were among you for your sake and uh, they walked with God before those people in Thessalonica and ended up with those people getting saved and them in turn following the walk of Paul and multitudes others getting saved because you read that the gospel was spread abroad not only from Macedonia but throughout Achaia And then in every place, their faith to God uh, was spread abroad so that they became examples to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. God's heart is delighted. The the Lord is is, pleased. Pleasure is given to Him. He's made happy when He sees us walking faithfully with Him. God is pleased with our praises, our testimonies to the lost. And uh, I think about a time we went down to uh, Venezuela, South America, back some years ago. And uh, we were visiting a missionary named Jerry Alford with the Baptist Mission, Brother Larry and Sister Jane, you all know him very well. And uh, there was one man in the church, or a- actually his wife was in the church. He was not saved, but he was attending And uh, the last night that we were there, this man came forward. Boy, you're talking about rejoicing. They had been praying for that man, witnessing to him and praying for him and praying for him. And that man came and knelt in an old-fashioned altar, gave up the battle, gave up the fight, took Jesus as his Savior. But he stood and gave testimony afterwards. You know what that man said? He said... uh, Folks said, you all have been talking to me, witnessing to me. I appreciate that. But he said, when I saw the joy of these fellas, he said, that did it. God's pleased with that. It delights his heart when we walk with it. Now, I'll give you something else. God's pleased and delighted with the death of his martyrs. talking about those folk last night man giving their life for the gospel being put in jail could have been turned loose if they would just renounced christ i thought about old stephen over in the book of acts chapter seven well i tell you what gave a witness for the jewish sanhedrin they ended up drawing him outside the city stoning him with him calling upon the lord his face Appearing as an angel. And uh, when Stephen died, he said, Lord Jesus, forgive their sin. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And into thy hands I commit my spirit. And the Bible tells us that God was delighted. You say, preacher, where do you find that? The Bible tells us when Stephen in his dying breath spoke, he said, lo, I see the heavens open, and what did you see? Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. You know I read the Bible and everywhere else I see I see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. You know why Jesus was standing? He was giving Stephen. he was so joyful, he was so pleased. The heart of God so delighted expressed in the Lord Jesus by standing up to give him a standing ovation for what he just done. You say, Preacher, what's this got to do with missions? Well, when they stoned Stephen, they just happened to lay down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Anybody know about Saul? Huh? You heard of Saul? Boy, Saul, he's giving consent to his death, breathing out threatenings and slaughters. But on the way to Damascus, the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. What is he talking about, kick, kick against the pricks? You know, they tell me when they had an old ox that would kick... They'd prick him. They had these ox goads. Boy, they'd they'd prick that ox, you know. If he kept kicking, they'd prick him harder. And if they couldn't stop him by pricking him this way, they actually would tie the ox goad on the front of the plow. I'm going to tell you, that ox used his own strength to punish himself. He didn't kick but a time or two. He found out you don't kick against that prick. Amen. And what the Lord was saying, Saul you just like an old stubborn hard-headed ox." I think the Lord could have added, I've worn you down. Saul got saved. And Stephen's death delighted the heart of God and ended up contributing to the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus was used, in fact, it was through the Macedonian vision that the gospel ultimately traveled up here into Europe and then a over into America. Oh, man. I get cold chilled about thinking about it. But uh, let, me, let, me, let me hurry on. He's pleased by people preaching. Did you know, the, I, I quoted the Scripture last night. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1 and verse uh, 21, it says, For after that in wisdom the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Brother, every Sunday you're standing and preaching. And sister, you're not preaching. You might preach a little at home. You know, I know how that goes. Amen. And you ladies preach a little at home? Amen. Hey, listen. Every single Sunday you're standing and preaching. God's pleased. God's pleased. It's pleasing the heart of God. Every single time we're giving out a gospel track and we're witnessing... Whether we're giving the word that's silent in a track, or whether we're giving a verbal witness, God's heart is delighted. The emotions of God are stirred. He's pleased. And then finally, in closing, notice in our text again. He said there in the book of Philippians, chapter four, in the matter of our the, the giving to missions, Paul said, "This offering." was an odor of a sweet smell he's not talking about a shaving lotion or cologne that was given to him he's talking about the, the the money the things material offering that was given to Paul to God it had an odor of a sweet smell it was a sacrifice acceptable and then he added it was well pleasing look at that well pleasing it's like, it's almost like God's saying, I like that. I like that. I am as pleased as can be with that. And I say, folk, listen. Every single time you're pulling your billfold out, or ladies, you're opening your purse up, and you're giving to help Keep the work of God going on. The Lord is taking note. And God's heart is being moved. God's heart is being blessed. God is placing high esteem on that. I challenge you to look up the term well-pleasing. Well-pleasing. That's exactly what it stands for. And uh, it's talking about that uh, high-value is placed upon this God's heart is being moved you know shepherds love their sheep Jesus is our great Shepherd and shepherds work to make sure they're fed protected contented uh, make, make sure that they're proper properly housed in case of a, a blizzard uh, they work to meet every need and they love the sheep to the point they'll lay down their lives for them. But you know when the shepherd is totally fulfilled, and I've just finished reading a book on this, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. You know when the shepherd is totally fulfilled? When he sees those sheep loving him back. Hmm? They'll have pet sheep, favorite sheep. And sometimes they'll walk along with their staff on the back of this sheep and that sheep walking close to the shepherd just with the contact, you see, with that through that staff. And God's pleased, delighted with our praises, our lives given for Him, our offerings given for Him, our service given for Him, people getting saved, rejoicing delighting the heart of God that's happening as we're involved in missions let's stand please head about and eyes closed our father in Jesus name I pray that you would take the word spoken help them help us Lord that we might uh, see them and, Lord, I pray that you would help help uh, everything that I've said, Lord, to be taken in exactly the right way. We've not used cunningly defined, uh, devised fables, Lord. But, Father, I've tried as best and as faithful as I know how, Lord, to share what, uh, Father, you've shown me from your Word. And even shown me more clearly last night and today as I've been studying this this passage of Scripture and these, these texts. I pray, God, that you'd help us. Help us, dear Lord, that, Father, we might be faithful in Lord, witnessing, giving, Lord, living for you. And, Lord, realize and delight in delighting you, pleasing you well, bringing joy to your heart as we please you well. In Jesus' name, for our sake we pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm.